that's a growler. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Never Any Minute, where we analyze, scrutinize, and, oh my gosh, Blub Arrives, the movie The NeverEnding Story. I'm Thomas Howith. I'm a very confused Tony Steele, and with us again today... It's uh, Chris Callahan. Hi, Chris. <laughs> welcome, Chris, and just so that everybody's not confused, I'll get into my first note real quick. In this minute, if you check out right before he gets the Orin... Mm-hmm. And you see the view over his head in second 28, or 27, I guess, would be the better one. If you look just above his head on the left-hand side, there's a will-o'-wisp flying around. Oh! So Blub has arrived. In the book, there's a will-o'-wisp named Blub, who we don't oh. get in the movie, but apparently we do, but hey. not <laughs> by s- name. I saw him and I freaked out. I was like, oh my gosh, he's in the show. He's in the movie. I see him. I can picture you being like, this is the best thing. <laughs> I was I like, I got him. my title right there. There you go. Well, my big thing for this minute is that I will never forgive you for last minute because now that's all I can see when I look at Moses Gunn silhouetted against the <laughs> shape of the lit up doorway. It's we perfectly its <laughs> head. Yeah. Yes. We're grownups here. It's okay. Um, today, the grownups are talking about minute 26, which begins with the tray taking off his quiver. Sending little girls all quiver. Boys that are interested in boys, too. Everyone, moving on. And it ends 60 seconds later with a tray riding away from the ivory tower as the theme song swells. Uh-oh, Chris, we're going to be depending on you here. <laughs> Uh-oh. Lots of music talk, I'm sure, to be had. But we'll get there. First, we have to finish taking off his weapons, which really messed me up minute by minute because the first thing we see is him facing Chiron and taking off his quiver of arrows. And I was like, wait, didn't he already take off his weapons? And then I'm like, no, if you're watching this straight through like a normal person, you will see that he has many weapons to put down. (laughs) This is just the last of it. And then he's just like, when do I, oh God, it's so great. (laughs) Chiron looks so sad as he's putting everything down. Yeah. If you're looking at like second four or five and six, you can also see the little of floating (laughs) around over there. You have no appreciation for the emotional intensity of this moment. You just want blub. I, I, I do. Blub has <laughs> totally captured my attention here. Aww. Well, Chris, what captured your attention first? Well, so the first note I have, I think in the crowd, there's a shot of a guy with a mushroom head. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, my no. mushroom kingdom. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To- Toad is here. Yes. I like that. Let's see that guy. <laughs> and I did also like, right after he put the weapons down, how Chiron, the way he beckoned him forward to like step ahead to give him the... Uh, the Orin, I thought, was a cool little motion yeah. to get over here. Yeah. <laughs> of course, we've got the Night Hob freaking out in the little uh, alcove there. How is no one noticing him? Is it just that he's that tiny compared to everyone well, else? Have you, see, have you seen in the big overviews where those alcoves actually are? I know. They're like 20 they're feet far- back from everybody else, and you imagine he's pretty small, so they probably right. can't even hear him or see him. I do love how excited he is, though. It's an appropriate response. Like, this is a great... Oh, oh, I have my favorite um, background people. You have Blub. Chris has Toad. I have three dirty bears. They're right behind the world's tiniest Puritan over his right <laughs> <Yes>. shoulder. <laughs> so so we all have extras to appreciate. But I'm still going to say my favorite is Night Hob. He's, 
he's just so excitable, he almost falls out the window. <laughs> <laughs> he and Bastion are very similar excitement levels. <laughs> <laughs> so we do finally get to see the R in here. Um, and for those that don't, or like me, I used to always think it was O-R-I-N. It is not as A-U-R-Y-N. And I did a little bit of research on it. Do you tell? <laughs> yeah. First of all, I love, this is my favorite Orin. Before on the book, we got to see the single colored Orin. This one has two colors to it. There is a lot online talking about the symbolistic meaning of this symbol, how it's two colors to talk about man's duality and stuff like that. It's the snake eating itself because the snake represents rebirth because of shedding its skin and stuff like that. And with, its, when it, uh, with it eating itself, it's dying and rebirth all over again, which is basically a huge spoiler for this movie. And that's what people say you're supposed to get from this is just seeing the Orin tells you that the Empress will not die. And if she does, she will be reborn. So this is like for... Now, as an adult, you're supposed to see this and say, oh, everything's going to be fine because it's showing me right here this picture of death and rebirth. Yeah, I didn't pick up on that as a three-year-old. <laughs> You'll be Neither shocked to that. hear. <laughs> now, I also have to say that Oren is also a five-piece Spanish boy band. Oh, things you learn while researching. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> My big uh, thing is, first of all, I am loving... The uh, New Hope medal ceremony music we've got going on, uh-huh. just to get in my Star Wars reference of the day. It, it's a great spelling heroic theme that as he fastens the Orin around Atreyu's neck. And then I am a little bit going to get up on my feminist down with a patriarchy horse for a moment here. <laughs> we'll talk about the horse soon. Um he who wears the Orin speaks for the Empress. It will guide you and protect you. I'm sorry. He who wears the Orin? Where's our uh, female heroine saving the day? Okay. I, it, it would be that hard to say whomever wears the Orin. I mean, that's not that many more syllables. I know, but this is back in the 80s when it was more widely accepted that he was a pronoun that would be... Could be both male and female. Are you regretting marrying me yet? <laughs> as I do that into my microphone. Valid points. I yeah, it's this as you said. This orange is much more elaborate than what's described in the book, which is a typical Ouroboros, which is just like the one snake eating its own tail. This is the two intertwined, and it's very pretty. Um, not to, I hate to correct you, but in the book it actually is still two, but they're just oh, in a, they're just in yes. a circular pattern right, instead of sorry. the knotted pattern. I only correct you because it is important for the story, especially in the book, because it talks about it being two separate snakes that both have to lift their head for him to get by. Yeah, I was wondering about that with the Ouroboros or Ouroboros. If it's normally, is it normally just one snake instead of two? Or I was I didn't see anything definitive on it, but since this is the best example of an Ouroboros that I've seen. It's got two, and both versions I know of have two, so there's that. You just haven't watched enough X-Files 
telling you people. I, <laughs> I, I know I name dropped the episode name. I think it's never again. I'd have to double check that. But Skelly gets the traditional one snake making a circle tattoo. And it's pretty bad. But I don't know where our... <laughs> I don't know exactly what our uh, censorship is. I don't want you to have to put in too many gasps over this one. Um, yeah, I had mostly seen this example and then much more plainer ones i'm assuming and would guess that the plain one snake ones are just simpler older plainer um but i I don't think this is not the only one that has two snakes in it i'm sure that like being able to have this twisty knot thing if you have two snakes you can do a lot more like graphic design illy that's not a word (laughs) You know what I mean. It's a lot easier to do an intricate pattern if you have two snakes' bodies instead of the one. Definitely. Which just makes the big circle. So I was thinking, too, like all their TV shows, I have seen a Rubros featured in the show Red Dwarf, which I'm not sure if you're a fan, Thomas. I don't think what? I've seen that one yet. Okay, it's, it's a great British series. It's a sci-fi comedy, and there's a whole episode about David Lister. As a baby, he was found in a box, and on the side of it, he thought it said Our Rob or Ross. And it turns out that there's a whole other story and Ouroboros sort of features into that. Oh, so wow. I definitely, it's a weird sci-fi comedy, but I definitely recommend Red Dwarf. To, that sounds right up my alley, so, so I'll have to check it out. Keep an eye out, yeah. Oh, I didn't remember that. I mean, I totally remember that. Thank you. I was paying attention to every episode <laughs> that we watched together. No, I actually do like that show. <laughs> I, just, I just didn't remember that part of it. So one of the other notes I have about the Orin, since this is kind of the first time we see it, um, I don't know if you know this, but later on, Noah Hathaway in his life became a tattoo artist. And he swore that he would never do another Orin tattoo <laughs> because he did 15 of them in three weeks. Wow. And, that doesn't surprise yeah. me, though. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to go to Noah Hathaway for a tattoo, a lot of people are going to want something that's related to the never-ending story. The actors in this movie went on to have interesting careers. Tammy Stronach's running a dance studio. Noah Hathaway's a tattoo artist. Yep. Oh, man, that's awesome. Now, I did try to find out, just because I heard there was a story about it, the fact, or what happens to this set piece, the actual Orin. Mm. After the movie was done, um, Wolfgang Peterson had asked Steven Spielberg for a little bit of help with editing this movie to mm-hmm. appeal to an American audience. Mm-hmm. He had kind of, you know, shifted everything to, to an appeal to a German audience and he wanted some help getting it ready for an American audience. So Steven Spielberg stepped in and did just a light edit on it. He cut a couple scenes down yeah. to, to increase the pacing for it and make it a little quicker paced. Nothing major was cut out, just a couple little scenes. And in thanks for that, Wolfgang Peterson gave him this, this um, set piece. That's what? great. Like that's the the... beckoning him forward. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's where that's, that um, piece is at now is with Steven Spielberg. Awesome. Wow. Thanks. Now I have to Photoshop that. <laughs> <laughs> and as you mentioned that I do, one of the notes I had about this, I really liked the quick cut to when he was riding away at the end of the minute. So I think I wonder if Spielberg, it, there were a lot of good cuts. I can think about how it did really move quickly along. Well, I always think of this movie as moving quickly because it just goes, you feel like you're very definitely going from one part of the adventure to the other 
the same as reading the book where the chapters are very distinct. Like, here is this adventure. Here is this adventure. Here is this adventure. Yes. Like, not that they don't all go together. They're not choppy, but it, it is kind of like it's very defined where one part ends, the other begins. We had Rockbiter Week. Now we've had a little bit over a week of this room, of the scene, of getting the quest. And now we're moving off onto the next part of it. Yeah. I do have a quick note about Bastion recognizing what he's reading mm-hmm. as the symbol on the front of the book and having to check it out. I like that cut back to him. It's yeah. really cute. And he looks so pleased. Yeah, it's not big. It's nothing important. But it's nice to show the tie-in of the two characters together where Atreyu's seeing it for the first time and now so is Bastion, really. Yeah. Well, because he didn't, re- you know, it's recognizing it for the yeah. first time. That's like the the times when you're reading a book that has a map and you hear him talk about a land, so you flip back to the beginning to see if you can find it on the map and see where it's at. I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one that does that. but <laughs> I do that a lot with uh, books that have the family tree in the front. Yes. And you do that a lot with everything for Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. I have to try to keep track of all that stuff. There's a lot of different looking up on the websites or flipping around, looking at the map. I would just go with it. I'm like... I don't know what's going on or who's related to who. I'm just going to let the text roll over me till it makes sense again. And I'd look over and he'd have opened like three tabs of the Wikipedia being like, because this person's related to this person and this person's actually this person, but they don't know they're this person and this is what's happening here. And I'm just like, cool. When are the dire wolves coming back? (laughs) A little bit of a different approach. But yes, I love his little smile. Like I said, he's just so... He's so happy. He's like, oh, look, it's the Orin. It's just like on the front... You know, he checks the front of the book. He's like... Yep, that's it. That's what it looks like. And then he just gets that little smile and settles back down. <laughs> and he's really getting into it now. He's like settling down into it and yep. really wanting to be part of it. Although, again, I, I think even as a kid, this would happen to me. He's still got his legs kicked up. He's now resting his chin on his fingers. Man, every part of his body is going to fall asleep and start tingling in about two <laughs> seconds. Like, it's a really adorable way to read, but it's not actually comfortable for more than... A minute. Tierney, <laughs> suspend your disbelief, please. <laughs> I thought we agreed that I should stop doing that because I kept missing important things about how movies are made. Well, there is that. So <laughs> as we go out to the next scene where it cuts away, there's another beautiful matte painting here. And I always wonder what they do with these matte paintings after they're done. I would love to see these like on display somewhere where you can just go like page by page and look at these different wonderful matte paintings. Well, if someone would make a gorgeous, the making of the never ending story for you, I'm sure <laughs> there would be great, you know, across two pages on the glossy paper reproductions of them. I don't know. We gave Christy missed. We gave awesome shout outs to literally everyone I could find in the credits list who might have had anything to do with them. Cause I couldn't figure out who had exactly had done these. So I just was like, it's one of these people, and they're all great, I'm sure, but they're they're Lucasfilm people. Oh, yeah, okay. they're beautiful so. shots, yeah. And the way they're lit is amazing. I mean, it looks mm-hmm. alive. It doesn't look like a painting at all. It's it's bright. It's, I can't even think of a good word, but it doesn't look like a flat painting. It looks very bright and alive. Well, it has that kind of, and this is weird from what I just said, but it has that kind of fake feeling to it, but it doesn't look... Oh, God. It's not that it looks fake, but it has that unrealistic 80s fantasy feeling, which I love and never minded. But 
Yeah, I wonder, I know some, there definitely are like famous map paintings that are, you know, held in archives places, but I don't know about this film. I have to say, I wonder if it's at this, I think the studios are still open where they filmed it at out in Germany. Bavaria or something like that. Road trip? Hey, I'd like that. (laughs) So did you have anything about this music, Chris, where it transitions to the next scene? It is a very nice sort of swelling um, music. I did just in general, I don't know if you talk about this, apparently in the German cut of the film, it didn't have any sort of the, the techno-y sound that was mixed in in the American cut. They're missing out on that synth. Oh, so much synthesizer. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but I thought this was a great, again, I, I, love the, I, said, I love the cut to him riding away, and I thought it did well with the music sort of flowing along, mm-hmm. swelling up. It was good. Didn't they say it was much more, like, orchestral? Yeah, I think they just had the orchestral score in the German cut. And then I don't even think they had the theme song in the German cut, because it seems really just the orchestrated stuff. Yeah, they did not have the Lamal song in there. They missed out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. We are not missing out, though. This is all fantastic. I can't believe how much I am enjoying getting to go through this minute by minute, honestly. <laughs> you know, for some movies I've heard it's a chore, especially in like a series of movies where you've committed to watching all of them and you may not like everyone that you see, but so far I'm absolutely loving this. Oh, it's so great. I mean, I'm biased, obviously. That's <laughs> why I signed on for this project. I literally Facebook messaged you as soon as you put that up and was like, me, I would do it. I would do this movie. Please, please message me back. <laughs> So, but it's funny because I told my dad, like, I'm going to do this podcast on Return to Oz. And he's like, oh, I don't really remember that one. Like, he remembered that movie existed, but he didn't remember anything really about it. And he's like, what's a podcast? How does this work? Blah, blah, blah. You know, the typical right. dad questions. And then I said, I texted him, was like, oh, I'm also doing one on Never Writing Story. And he was just like, well, of course you are. <laughs> How many times did you watch that movie? He's like, all of a sudden it clicked where he's like, oh, you're going to talk way too much about this movie you watch as a kid. That that tracks. So. Yeah. Uh, uh, Chris, do you have anything else for this minute? I think that hits most of my points for this minute. Yeah, I said I just I was really struck by how well, again, I'm like, glad you brought, talked about Spielberg, just because just the cut to him riding away, I keep thinking about just yeah. reflects the whole movie. So many good, quick cuts definitely paced well. Right, and that, I definitely attribute that to Spielberg, who actually attributes it to Lucas. Uh, uh-huh. In the in the story, it talked about how that was all kind of Lucas's feeling on editing, and how it's like Lucas's school of editing kind of thing, where you know we have these quicker, fast paced, quick cuts and edits, and so that's what he applied to this movie for Wolfgang Peterson. Yeah, because if you think of Lucas, is all about making the movie in the editing room afterwards. But if you think of like. Jaws with those long one take scenes and yeah. the camera moving around, but it's all the same shot. That that makes sense. I love it. It's all coming full circle. <laughs> all I could think of, and it's from a much more terrible movie, like not like a square, but a circle. And you're like, oh, it goes back to Lucas. I'm like, everything. Everything, everything is connected. <laughs> everything is connected in this never ending story of 20th century film. Oh, <laughs> Yes. Oh, man. Time yeah. to get more meta. <laughs> <laughs> they oh, should just man. name this the, me- the meta movie. <laughs> hey. Oh, it it is. And we're going to get a lot more of that coming forward. But for now, we just get to enjoy the hero's journey taken off. 
And I think you're definitely going to come back and tell us more about Lamal's hair, right? Oh, if you look because... at the music video, which I showed you after we saw the film the other night, that, that doesn't quite hold up in the same way. <laughs> well, I'm glad part of this doesn't. The music itself, I think, does, because yes. anybody that hears that song is instantly transported back to seeing the movie. So Definitely. Well, we're going to get more of that tomorrow, right, as he continues yes. his journey off into the excitement. So That's another wanna... story? <laughs> yeah, but that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try this again. But... All right. That's, That's another, another story. story. And it shall be told another time. <laughs> wow, something is really different. I'm a growler. I'm keeping your bones.